We are back from social media marketing world where Callie and I suffered through the glorious sunshine in order to bring you the latest on what is happening in the world of social media marketing as it relates to your membership business. I hope, I hope you realize just how much of a hardship it was for us to go to the beautiful sunny city of San Diego to get all of this for you. So without further ado, let's jump into our top takeaways from Social Media Marketing World 2022. You're listening to the Membership Geeks podcast, bringing you proven practical tips and advice from the leading experts on growing a successful membership business each and every week. And now here are your hosts, Mike Morrison and Callie Willows. Well, hello there. Welcome to episode 355 of the Membership Geeks podcast. Callie and I are in pretty good spirits, aren't we? We are. First holiday, I mean work trip, in (laughs) over two years. Yes, if the accountants are listening, work trip. Not holiday, work trip. That just so happened to be in... One uh, of our favourite cities. One of our (laughs) favourite cities of San Diego. Um, Yeah. We are back from Social Media Marketing World 2022, which is pretty much, well, it is the first big conference that we've been to since everything that has happened in the world. And so, yeah, kind of our our first taste of, I don't want to say back to normal, but back to normal-ish. Yes, ish. Ish. (laughs) Being the important part there. Yeah, and we've we've been to Social Media Marketing World, I think, every year bar one. Bar 2020. Well, yeah, bar 2020 and 2021, because they just didn't run it in 2021. Um, But yeah, since 2016, is that right? So it was very interesting to be back there. Um, We'll not delve too much into just how sort of strange it was just being at an event of this scale while we're still sort of at the tail end of the pandemic, because that was a bit, it was a bit weird, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a little bit weird. Not as weird as I thought it was going to be, though, to be honest. But that added to the weirdness. It was weird how non-weird some things were. (laughs) But we were able to do things like have a member meetup, which is always one of our favourite things to do. You know, we go to a lot of events um, in various places around the world, and as membership owners, and this is absolutely something we advocate, we recommend that you try yourself, if you're going to events where you know that there might be some of your members, tag on a member meetup, whether it's in a bar for drinks or, you know, a small gathering where you take them out and buy them dinner, which is what we did for some of our members in San Diego. Always worth doing. Any opportunity you have to be able to do that with your members is worthwhile. And yeah, we were able to do that for... First time in three years, really, since we've been able to sit down and yeah. do dinner with members. Yeah, since Retain. Since Retain Live 2019, yeah. Crazy. It is. So, obviously, when we go at these events, it's with a view to obviously seeing members, it's with a view to picking up stuff for ourselves, but also a big part of why we go at these events is to come back and report to you. So I thought we'd just have a chat about some of our top takeaways from Social Media Marketing World, anything you um, should be aware of, on top of, thinking about, to help you within your own marketing plans. So then we talk about some kind of general takeaways um, and also pull out some things from some specific sessions as well. Um, What was quite interesting pretty much from the off for me in the opening keynote was there was a lot made of the, the notion that everything in social media now is coming back to creators. It's coming back to people who make content 
as opposed to just building followings or even just building influence. It's coming back to creators like like us. Yeah, definitely. And I think platforms as a result of that are making it easier for creators to actually monetize the platforms as well. They yeah. don't want to lose creators to their own sites, to OnlyFans, to places like that. They want to keep creators on the platform creating for them. Did you say OnlyFans? I did. Where did that come, did that it, come from? It was just top of mind. <laughs> and so, you know, platforms are making it easier. You know, Instagram, Facebook are actually paying people to create reels now and things yeah. like that to really try and drive that content on their platforms. And and so I think it's an interesting move that, that platforms well, it is, but are making. It is, but that's because creators are driving it. Creators are looking for ways to monetize. Now, you and I and all of you listening, we already know that because we're, you know, most of us are creators of some sort. We create educational content, coaching content, um, free content. And of course, we're looking for ways to monetize, but we're ahead of the game because we're monetizing with our own memberships. And, you know, there's, there's some creators who they just create stuff for social media. They're not podcasting. They're not, you know, even creating YouTube videos and tutorials and stuff. They're not creating a depth of content or content of that added bit of substance. They're creating content to be consumed on social media. Like, the monetization options being provided by the likes of Facebook and whatever, that's good for them. But I think for for educators, for experts, for coaches and stuff like that, where we're creating content, like Facebook paying you for your content isn't going to be the best path to monetization. Things like memberships, things like online courses, just to show we're not biased, you know, online courses, workshops, memberships, they're always going to be stronger places to monetize rather than simply, you know, getting a little bit of a cut of ad revenue from the likes of Facebook. But just the fact that things are swinging back that way on social just shows how much of a drive there is for content creators, experts, influencers to make money from what they're doing rather than just essentially giving these social networks all of this great content for free. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's interesting as well how social platforms are changing in general in terms of new content is definitely becoming the forefront of well, the discovery of content. That's the key one, the discovery of that content. Again, this is something mentioned in quite a few sessions. You know, for the longest time, social media has been about building a following who see your stuff. But the main platforms now are totally switching things up so that you're seeing, and increasingly going forward, you're going to see more and more from people you don't know. It's more about discovering new content from strangers. Now, that might not sound great to you as a, a user of social media, but if you're someone who is uh, a marketer, someone who's using social media to promote your content, your membership, your other products then that's a massive opportunity because it does mean your stuff is potentially going to be seen by far more people who aren't already aware of you than by people who've chosen to actively follow you. So you're going to become so much more discoverable, which actually has been a problem. Yeah, and it's an interesting one though because on the one hand they're making it 
easier for you to be discovered by people you don't know, but they're making it harder and harder for you to be seen by people you do know. Yeah. Like Facebook, reach on Facebook has never been worse for groups, for pages, for personal profiles. So it's but this weird juxtaposition. It is, but that's reach amongst your existing audience. But that's what I mean. But it is, yeah, there's still... It's going to be interesting to see how they address that disconnect. So anyone who um, has used TikTok, and if you've not at least looked at TikTok, you might not be aware of where things are going, but Instagram is going to become like TikTok. They pretty much said, this is how we're going to do things now. Where the default thing that people see is just a content stream of... Content that's been picked for you that is created by other people that you might not have come across. So it's going to be content from strangers. That's going to become the default for Instagram. It's probably going to become the default for Facebook and, you know, other other social media platforms, as they seem to do these days, will just mimic that again because they all copy each other. And it's weird because I was scrolling Instagram before this and they've bought out those, those new options now. And so my main Instagram home feed, it's suggested post, suggested post, advert. Oh, yeah. a post from somebody I actually follow. Oh, suggested post, suggested post, advert, advert. Yeah. So, you know, it's the people I actually follow are definitely being crowded out by other content. Yeah. So it is going to be, it's going to be interesting. I don't think they're going to find a balance. I can't imagine a situation. So right now, again, TikTok, and this isn't, you know, hey, I just come back from San Diego and I'm down with the kids on TikTok. You love TikTok. I love TikTok. Anybody who, who's on TikTok, check out Mike's Lego videos on TikTok. I'm That's not it. cool enough to be on TikTok, I'm but Mike not, is. I'm, no, I'm not cool enough to be on TikTok, but if you want to see complete non-business and mostly just nerdy Lego videos at that man Mimo, M-I-M-O, that man Mimo on TikTok. I've got that meme now from 22 Jump Street. Leave me alone. Yes, it is. It's not It's not 22 Jump Street. It's from 30 Rock with Steve Buscemi. Hello, fellow kids. Yeah, so, um, yeah, but TikTok actually is a real good indicator of where Instagram in particular and most likely Facebook, where they are heading. The default view is recommended content from other people mostly not people you know. You can then toggle that view to just see stuff from the people you do follow. So what you see right now in your feeds on Instagram and on Facebook where it's kind of still supposedly driven by the people who you choose to, to follow or who you're friends with, that becomes the, the second option, the second choice. It's not the default anymore. I'm, I, I'm not sure they're going to be able to balance the engagement with your followers your audience to balance that with the discovery through by, by people you don't know i don't think they're going to be able to address it i don't think they care no, because, I, because I it's about real estate it's, yeah. it's literally about how do we get people scrolling enough to see lots of ads and if if the only content you're seeing is people you follow but you don't follow many people then you're not going to scroll through your feed much. So the social networks, now they've run out of space to put ads, particularly the likes of Facebook, they want you to get engaged with seeing content from people you don't know so that you're more likely to sit for ages just scrolling through a feed and you're not thinking, okay, well, I'm caught up on what my friends are doing. You're thinking, I'm going to scroll the next video, scroll the next thing because 
there's entertaining stuff here. Yeah, it's all about how they can keep you on the platform. They do not want you leaving the platform and going somewhere else. And, yeah. and that for Instagram, that's Reels. Like yeah. That is, but they're putting that all into Reels now. Absolutely. So it's video first, it's Reel first, it's content from strangers first. And I actually think this will see a lot of these social channels from a marketing point of view become places to market, places to reach new audiences who you then bring back to your own home base. So it's not about building a following on Facebook anymore that you keep on Facebook. It's going to be about attracting people in at the top end, so getting on people's radar so they come to your website, they come to your community elsewhere. So I think it's going to become a lot more like it used to be, a lot more where, you know, the social networks are where you cast cast the line out, you cast the net out, but you're not caring about, you know, turning them into friends and followers on that platform. You're just about reaching as many eyeballs as possible to get them to your website. Yeah, and I, it'll be interesting to see how that works because I think they're also making it harder or less of a less of a thing for you to be able to easily take people off site to your website. Those kind of posts are getting punished. So the way that people do that, it'll be interesting to see. But I think for me, something that summed up this change was um, in Shailene Johnson's session on Instagram where she actually mentioned if you're posting reels, so by default, reels will go to a reel stream and you can also post them to your feed. And she outright said, if you do not have a hugely engaged audience, do not post reels to your feed. Only post them to the reel stream because that will mean that they get seen by more people. If you post it to your feed, Instagram will base how many people it gets seen by, the engagement it gets on your feed. If you post it just to Reels, it will post it far and wide to anybody who might be interested in that content. And I thought that was a really interesting insight there into how Instagram's actually doing that. Yeah, I actually think it's an indicator that further down the line, they're just going to remove the option to just post something to your feed. So it's basically post this to everyone and... If you want Instagram to just show it to anyone versus just post it so it's seen by your friends, your yeah. followers, right? I think that they'll probably get rid of that as as an option or they'll make it like, you know... Well, they you... already have. So you have okay. to post it to the Reels page, but you can choose to post it to your feed as well. Right. So her thing is don't post it to your feed unless you already have a lot of engagement on your yeah. feed. I because... think they're going to minimise that option even more. I think it'll be a case of, um, again, I keep mentioning TikTok, but when you post on TikTok, it's kind of the same as when you currently post on Instagram. You know, there's a, a bunch of little options, like, you know, on TikTok it's, who can see that, like, who can share this, can people comment, this, that, and the other. I think it will be the option to make something private will be such a minimal option because they just want, they just want content. They want people doing on Instagram what they're doing on TikTok. And it's because it's not an American company that that developed TikTok and it's kind of like, well, hang on, how, how come these guys have tapped into this ability to just keep people hooked and engaged on their app? when we haven't, you know? And so that's why they're basically just aping TikTok. So there's a lot of talk about TikTok, but really it it does represent a big, big shift, I think, in the strategy of these social platforms from being build your following, find your audience, reach your audience, and, oh, hey, you know, if you need to reach more of your audience, give us some ad money, to now just we'll put your content in front of loads of people and you're mostly catering to strangers rather than friends and followers. 
Yeah. And I think we, you know, we have talked about Instagram and TikTok a lot, lot there. But actually, if you look at the sessions that were at Social Media Marketing World, they were heavily driven by Instagram and yeah. TikTok sessions. There was a few Facebook ad sessions. There was quite a lot of LinkedIn sessions. But it was quite telling in what there wasn't in terms of actually there wasn't a single Twitter session, I don't think. There wasn't, no. there was a, one Facebook organic growth session. You know, the actual content of the sessions I think itself was telling in where social was, media is going. Yeah, it was TikTok, it was Instagram. And yeah, the fact that you've got a social media marketing world conference, not talk without a single session on Twitter, when if you were to say to people, name three social media platforms, they pretty much all say Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Guarantee, yeah. like Twitter would come up a lot. Yeah. There was a lot of YouTube as well, which again, it's arguable whether that's social or content. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, it was a lot of YouTube content, nothing on Pinterest this year where previously Pinterest has been a heavy. So I found it very interesting the topics that yeah. were on show at Social Media Marketing World this year. Definitely. And considering that they actually scaled back on how many sessions there were, that would suggest that they'd be more selective about the topics that they have talked about. And so, you know, it's one thing if you've got like six sessions on at any one time, which it kind of used to be, didn't it? Used it? to be six to eight, yeah. Yeah, so you generally have a lot of sessions, and so the B, you, you couldn't really gauge anything from what what was being talked about and what wasn't being talked about, because actually most bases were covered. Yeah. But, you know, if in planning a social media marketing world conference, making the decision to not have any sessions on Twitter... That's, That's a, a choice. It's a big statement. It's a, it's a choice to only have, I think there was just one session on, on LinkedIn. Um, no, there was a, there was oh, a few, few on LinkedIn. A few on LinkedIn. What am I thinking of then? Um, yeah, yeah the Facebook organic growth. Yeah, yeah, there was one on Facebook organic growth. I don't think there was any on Facebook groups this year. There was a few unpaid ads for yeah. Facebook, but yeah. So yeah, it's, it is interesting. Actually, we mentioned YouTube a couple of times there. One specific thing that came out that I took note of from that opening keynote is a report that's recently been done in the podcasting space that showed that YouTube is one of the most popular places that people go to find podcasts, which is kind of crazy because YouTube is not a podcasting service. It doesn't have a podcasting feature yet, and I'll get on to that in a second. Now, my personal hunch is that actually... A big part of of that data is coming from I don't know if it's confusion or or just broadening of the term podcast, right? Because a podcast to me and to people in the podcast industry is this, right? It's audio only. It's automatically delivered to your your device if you're subscribed. If you want to get really pernickety, it's delivered via RSS. That's that's the main characteristic of a, a podcast. It has to be delivered by our, via an RSS feed. Um, but I think increasingly the term podcast is being used in a broader sense by the general public. And I think people think podcasts, they think of things like the Joe Rogan experience, right? And if you go to YouTube... You watch videos. I can't remember if he's actually still got them on YouTube since the Spotify deal. But people will actually go to YouTube and watch videos of podcasters recording their show. And so consumption of videos of podcasts 
is definitely um, something that has been on the rise that, that I think more and more people are doing. So I think when people, you know, are, are kind of saying, yeah, I, I watch, or I get my podcast from YouTube, what they mean is they're watching videos of podcasters who have recorded themselves recording their, their podcast or hosting a show or something like that. Yeah, and for me, I think it's two things. Similar to that, more and more people are saying they've got a video podcast these days. Yeah. It's not a video podcast, it's, it's a, video. a video. And you just repurpose the uh, audio to a podcast, perhaps. So, yeah, the term video podcast I am seeing more and more around, which I'm sure comes into this. And the other thing I think plays into this is people like ourselves who repurpose this podcast onto videos in YouTube, yeah. nobody's going to YouTube to search for the Membership Geeks podcast, but if they search for a particular topic, our podcast episode comes up, yeah. and therefore they're listening to our podcast on YouTube. Yeah. But it's, they've and not it's just, gone there to listen yeah. to a podcast, they've gone there to find an answer to their question, it just so happens that the answer to that question is a podcast episode. Yeah, and it's just the audio set to a static image. So, yeah, I do think that the term podcast is is being used a little more broader because of the success of certain shows and because more and more of the mainstream podcasts, they are publishing a podcast in the traditional way, but a big, big part of how people consume that content is watching video recordings of the hosts sitting down and doing their podcast interviews, right? Um, but whether it's triggered by this or not, YouTube are actually going to be adding a podcasting feature. Don't really know what that looks like. Um, I think I've seen some mock-ups of what people think it might, or there might have been some leaks, but there is apparently going to be uh, a change with YouTube where they are going to cater for podcasts. Um, so, Watch yeah, space. watch that space. People will be going to YouTube for, uh, specifically for podcasts, which obviously, you know, YouTube being the second largest search engine in the world. Um, I think it's been overtaken by TikTok now. <laughs> my, I mean, uh, that's, it's a stretch. It doesn't really count in no, my mind. No, no, it's, it's a stretch. People Again, don't... I'm not hip enough, so... No, no, that would be a stretch. Um, but yeah, YouTube being used as such a big uh, like discovery vehicle, if you can find videos and you also find audio podcasts on YouTube, that's another massive channel that you can be tapping into. So if you are a podcaster, definitely uh, keep your eye on that. Now, overall, for a social media marketing conference, there was a massive amount of buzz about NFTs, Metaverse, Web3 and all of that stuff. You might be able to sense from my tone that it was perhaps a little more than I personally found palatable. It did seem to be, there seemed to be something, something broad and vague about NFTs, Metaverse, Web3 or some mush of all of that. There seemed to be a bit tagged onto everyone's talk about it, almost like, you know, they, they, they just took like a previous talk they don't know like I'll add a slide about NFTs that's not a criticism it's just like it did seem everyone was trying to make sure that they shoehorn something about NFTs metaverse or web 3 into their talk yeah and I think the audience was split between those who are really excited about it and interested in it and people like myself who were just I don't want to learn another thing. <laughs> I'm confused. Can we just stick with like DVDs and, you know, social media <laughs> platforms? And, you know, I don't want to have to learn yet another thing that 
I have Considering to, we've got an online business, you are a massive Luddite. <laughs> I think I'm really what like about, an 80-year-old yeah. trapped in a 30 year Whatever happened body. to floppy disks yeah. and video games on cassette tapes? You know, it was that thing where it just, it, my brain kind of just felt, oh, this is something it, it else too much. to pay attention to. I think a lot of people, yeah, you... Yeah, there was. There was people who were kind of like mind blown. This is going to be amazing. It's a paradigm shift. And and then there were the people like, oh man, I've literally just figured out how to tweet. Like, and now the whole internet's going to change. Now, these topics were featured heavily in the opening keynote, which is always about kind of the, the future of social media marketing. But two of the other three keynotes were just about these things. Now, it, that felt a little strange to me for a social media marketing conference to have whole sessions that are about metaverse and yeah, you know, social media company, social media platform, they will factor into it, but we don't really know that many specifics yet about what this looks. There's not that many practical examples or working examples or clear direction that can be given to people on these topics as it relates to how you use social media to market your business. So the fact that 50% of the keynotes were exclusively about these topics and one of them was heavily um, about this topic was a little odd. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm a very, I'm a practical person. I'm a very tech-minded person, so this certainly isn't a, oh no, not more technology, and it's definitely not a, I don't understand this. It's just that right now we're so early with a lot of this stuff that there's very, very little in these kind of talks. There's very little marketers are able to say about real-world practical uses of Things like NFTs, Metaverse, Web3. There's so much hypothetical, there's so much pie-in-the-sky future think, but there's nothing really new. It would be hard to come away from a lot of the talk on, on these topics with a, a, a clear understanding because so much of it was just, again, vague, buzzword, hype-heavy. Like, imagine a new world. I mean, there was a there was a matrix segment in the opening keynote, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. That's the level we're currently at, right? And I think my concern more was NFTs, there's they're so, you know, yes, they have a purpose and I, I like some of the ideas for what they could be used within purpose in the future, but like what I saw was either people coming away and rushing to buy random NFTs in the hope that they would be worth money someday or creating their own NFT and trying to sell that to their audience without really understanding what it was or why their audience should care. Yeah, and that's got nothing to do with social media. Literally nothing to do with social media. Right now, what most people are doing with NFTs is they are using them um, in connection with the, the sale of images, yeah. digital art. And that is definitely one applicable use of an NFT. An NFT is based a digital certificate of authenticity. It's a digital order trail. It's something that proves someone's ownership of something intangible, really. That's how that's how it's currently being used um, on in the broader sense and in the most public sense. So when you see people talking about NFTs, it is just like, you know, I have an NFT that shows that I own this picture of a monkey. 
right? And they're doing this, it's speculative, right? It's digital art trading. It's, you know, they buy an NFT in the hopes that in a few years' time, people place so much value on an NFT, regardless of whether there's any artistic value to it, that what you paid for it will have, or what you could sell it for will have will have gone up, right? The, That's it. It's the Beanie Babies of it's, the 2022, basically. It is the Beanie Babies of 2022. And actually, I want to give a massive shout-out to Mark Schaefer because he used that exact analogy. I wasn't if, even in that session, yeah, so... Yeah, those kind of, like, the that usage of NFTs, and it's important I keep having to say that, that way people are using NFTs because... That is an NFT. Pictures of stuff, that's not what NFTs are in, like, in their entirety. There are a lot of potential uses for it. You know, an a indisputable, irrevocable digital thing that can be connected to something else, like the deeds to your house could be used for probably used for wills and stuff like that any sort of digital um like contracts and agreements people have even talked about you know you could you'll be able to unlock your house with an nft instead of keys and like okay but key, We're not there yet. keys work <laughs> like and they're not so difficult <laughs> they're not so difficult or problematic that we need to unlock with a NFT and what happens if you've got no internet connection? Yeah, anyway. So really, a lot of what was being talked about, there was a lot of conflating and confusion of the concepts, you know, people talking about the metaverse and talking about Web3 decentralization in the same sentence, like they were the same thing when actually they're kind of the opposite of each other. All of this really just demonstrated just how much people like you fine listeners are going to be hearing more and more about these things from marketers. And this is our nudge to remind you not to get too swept up because marketers have a tendency to really, really heavily push that bandwagon because there's a lot of benefits to someone who is a marketer in being seen as very early stage, one of the earliest adopters, the earliest proponents for something that then turns out to be successful. But most marketers get it wrong a hell of a lot more than they get it right when it comes to backing the right horse. Um, there's almost the running thing of social media marketing world is like the big thing that gets championed every year ends up not existing the year after, you know, like um, Periscope and Blab, Blab and stuff like that, you Meerkat. know. Yeah, Meerkat. If it gets really hyped up by the marketers at this year's conference, you can pretty much guarantee that it'll have just died a death by the time the next year's one comes out. So don't get swept up. A lot of the use cases, a lot of the examples are hypothetical, particularly around the metaverse, um, particularly around Web3. Um, NFTs in particular... There's a lot of examples being given where it just sounds like solutions looking for a problem. So being specific about memberships, we saw an article the other day about using NFTs as a way to access an online membership. So basically, you have an NFT that enables you to log into a membership. We kind of already have ways to log into memberships. Like, and they're the same as the ways we log into other stuff. It's login credentials. And if you don't like login credentials as they are, you can use, you know, some sites will let you use your social account to log in. 
there's some sites where, you know, you can have a little app on your phone, but actually we've already got lots of ways to log into stuff and they're a hell of a lot simpler than needing an NFT to do it. So again, that's solutions looking for a problem right now. It doesn't mean that there won't be a, a big updraft in, in practical uses for NFTs or, you know, some real big strides forward and steps forward in actually clarifying what the heck the metaverse is going to be and how people are going to be convinced to sit wearing a VR headset to interact with their virtual worlds all night rather than just, you know, opening up their phone and scrolling as we currently do. So it doesn't mean that there won't be something in the future, but what people are talking about right now, especially with memberships, this isn't it. There'll be, some, there'll, there'll be something beneficial for memberships when it comes to NFTs, but this ain't it. Outside of people trading NFTs, it's still a very speculative world. The ideas people are floating around for how they'll be used pretty much still all sound like a novelty, like Beanie Babies. Um, if you want a bit more of a balanced approach, because I'm wary of this turning into just a big session about NFTs, Metaverse, Web3, I'd encourage you to look up Scott Galloway um, at prof galloway on um, instagram look at what he's written about web3 and nfts in particular if you're an nft bro if you're an nft advocate if your twitter account is all about nfts don't at me don't want to talk about it talked about it enough i think the main thing that this has taught me is that i am not an early adopter I like to understand things on what's coming, but I am not an early adopter. I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. But the thing yet. is, but the thing is, like our listeners, you don't need to be early adopters. You know, the other people can be the crash test dummies. They can go out there and they can smash into the wall on every new novelty thing that comes along, and it's fine. Like that's a lot of people. That's that's what their place in this process is. Um, you know, and and they're accustomed to it. But right now. You shouldn't be getting swept up or carried away by a lot of the the buzz and the hype. It's been a difficult few years. It's for for marketers, a lot of them are just looking for, you know, something to inject a bit of oomph into what they're talking about. Something else to talk about other than, hey, that pandemic wasn't much fun, was it? Like this is <laughs> this takes the place of the slide in the talk, which is what I did in lockdown. Um, so don't get too swept up on it. But yeah, the the heavy focus on these topics, I think, in the social media marketing world really did demonstrate, I think, what you guys listening are going to be subjected to a lot over the coming months and probably the next couple of years. So this is just our little dose of sanity to not get too carried away or not let people sweep you up or not fall prey to all this. Well, if you're not minting your own NFT, your business is going to be left behind. It's not. You don't need to add NFTs to your membership. You don't need to move from your WordPress membership platform to a platform that lets people sign up using an NFT. Like, let's just all calm down. Anyway, there was more at Social Media Marketing World than just the NFT metaverse Web3 kind of thing. Um, but that was very, it was a big thing. It did feel like it was a big thing. It was a big thing that people were talking about in the corridors and things as well with, you know, both sides of the divide there in terms of whether it was something that they were focusing on, not focusing on, never even heard of before. Yeah. So yeah, it was interesting. It definitely had a different feel this year's conference. It felt like it was moving away just from the social media side <laughs> yeah. thing, like if I'm honest. And you know what, we're talking about getting swept up and carried away. 
maybe that's actually what's happening with event organizers. It's happening with speakers. Like, you know, for a social media marketing conference to not have content on the most popular social media channels, but to have lots of content on metaverse, NFTs. And, and not just content, but keynotes. And keynotes, yeah, you know. that uh, Everyone's getting swept up in this, um, you know. But time will tell. <laughs> I think anyway. For, yeah, I think for me, in terms of general insights, like from the social media point of view, it really hammered home to me that videos more popular than ever. Like I think for every year we've been, videos always been there. You know, videos the big thing on social media. Yeah. I think that's more the case now than ever, and platforms are all prioritizing this. But there's also a big content divide between the type of videos that platforms want and that do well. So your video either needs to be really short and snappy. Or it needs to be lengthy and in depth. It, it it can't be in between anymore. It needs to be one of the two. You know, less than a minute or over twenty minutes. Yeah, and it's funny because Instagram, Facebook, they they're trying to kind of follow in the footsteps of TikTok, and TikTok is very much it's short video. It's really short, snappy video. But TikTok have announced that they're going to be letting people post long form video content so it it is a thing i think like you say it's kind of the two extremes but the common feature is it's video content so it's no longer kind of hey should i put an image out or a video out should i put text out or a video it's now should i put a short video or a long video yeah and i think what you said there about tiktok just emphasized to me as well all the platforms are becoming clones. They're all just yeah. developing the same features, the same kind of wants for them, which in some ways is good as, as marketers, as business people, because it makes it easier to repurpose your content across the platforms. But it also makes it a lot less appealing for people to actually use them all. If they've gone on Instagram and they know that the same content's going to be on Facebook, they're not going to go there as well. And so actually, more people are sticking to one platform. But that, I think that's a deliberate thing from the likes of, uh, of Instagram in particular. I think their thinking of it is, if we can deliver the same features of something like TikTok, then people like Instagram as a whole more than they like TikTok and therefore they'll stop going to TikTok. I don't think that's going to happen because, like, especially with younger generations, and I can't believe I'm at an age mm -hmm. where I'm referring to younger generations... But, you know, TikTok is one of the main ways they're consuming stuff. People don't, like, people watch TikTok. They spend ages watching TikTok. They don't scroll through it. They don't have a check-in. They watch TikTok and they're watching 10 seconds, 15 seconds at a time and they're scrolling and flicking and flicking. Like, they watch TikTok like they watch YouTube. It's not seen in the same way as like an Instagram or a Facebook where, you know, they're scrolling through updates. They are watching it. They are buckling in for 30 minutes or an hour of content consumption time through the likes of TikTok. So it's, it is going to be interesting to see whether this just blending of all the same features on every single platform um, ever has an end point because in the last couple of years, it's been stories. Everyone has been pushing like to have their own stories feature. LinkedIn has stories now because, my, you definitely want to get stories and insights from <laughs> from everyone on LinkedIn. I'm really disparaging LinkedIn people, but, you know, I think, I think I'm just following the wrong people, but I don't want to see all their stories. Um, Pinterest. Pinterest has a stories feature now. Pinterest, Pinterest isn't... Pinterest lets you do videos now. Yeah, but they have stories. 
Pinterest has a stories feature. Snapchat's got stories, Insta's got stories, TikTok now has stories. It's weird with TikTok. It's really weird. Everyone's following them, but and then they're, they're now... The yeah, it's just this circle. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And I think, you know, one of the big things is that all of those platforms, you touched on it a little bit a minute ago, they're prioritizing content that keeps people on the platform. Yeah. They don't want to send users off-site. The aim, so the aim in your content needs to be to get them to view more of your content on that platform than to send them to your website. But I think beforehand with um, Facebook in particular, the way that they did this was by using the algorithm to restrict the reach of posts that included external links. I think the the shift now is less we make it more difficult for people to leave and more we bombard people with so much content and this fire hose of short engaging entertaining content that they won't want to leave and arguably that's better for for the consumer right because i'd much rather be shown content that i that is going to entertain me so much that i'm i'm going to stick around and scroll and scroll and scroll versus not seeing content that the algorithm doesn't want me to see because it contains an external link like again i keep using tiktok as an example but that is because Insta feeds in particular, and probably Facebook feeds will look like this. You don't put external links in the captions. You can't embed links into that content. The the only links are in your profile. And so there's a bit more work for people to have to do to get to a point where they would leave your site. But it's still good for brand building. It's still good for new eyeballs. Um, and I think with the likes of Instagram in particular, if they're going to tie that into their e-commerce functionality um insta bringing in the subscription elements as well aren't they i think they? so or, yeah but not yeah. Known so yet. i think they're going to tie like the, we talked about the options for creators to get paid i think probably facebook and instagram are maybe going to do a bit of a better job of connecting this new focus on entertaining content with the monetization options they're probably going to do a better job of that than tiktok in the hopes that they'll bring some of the best TikTok creators over to Instagram and Facebook rather than the other way. But then, of course, I mean, YouTube's got stories now as well. Yeah, YouTube's they? got stories. YouTube's <sighs> got subscriptions. There's all kinds of things. Something I found interesting was, um, I can't remember her name now, Natasha, I think it was, mentioned with talking about Instagram. One of the things they're doing there is the close friends option where yeah. you can show stories just to close friends. And I found it interesting she specifically talked about actually you could use this as a an extra benefit for your membership that you add all your members to a close friend list on Instagram so they get to see the behind the scenes of your business and things like that. And that was something that I did think was quite an interesting mm. extra option, not something to build your membership around, but if you've got a very visual um membership or a very visual topic then having that actual as an extra benefit to membership could be great but yeah, yeah i think so, i mean your close friends really is just it's the ability to be on a, a secret list essentially. Uh, yeah a secret distribution list for instagram stories yeah and so, you are only, so only certain people see those yeah. and i think just to bring back the the prioritizing content that keeps them on the platform and wrap that up i think the thing that hit this home for me was sean Connell talking about with youtube he doesn't recommend that you actually put a call to action to your website or anything like that at the end of your video your call to action at the end of your video should be to another 
video that you have on YouTube. And so you essentially you're creating video series rather yeah. than solo videos. Yeah, and so calls to action that take people to your site, they're going to be links in your profile or links in the descriptions of videos or in captions, but you're not pushing them as the main call to action for that piece of content. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's playing the game that the social platforms want you to play, which I guess has always been the case, right? Yeah, and I think the big upshot of all of this is that it's getting harder and harder to be seen organically, or rather for marketing content to be seen organically, unless you're doing something different, unless you're creating that content to be engaging, because all of the algorithms are about engagement, it's about relationship building, it's about share-worthy content, and it's bringing back the focus on entertainment and social, not marketing. So more than ever, we need to remember these platforms aren't created for marketers, for yeah. marketing. And so you need to be nimble, you need to adapt your approach as these platforms change. And yeah, right now that is all about engaging content is what is winning the race. Yeah, and so, you know, a, a few people mentioned this and actually you see the evidence of this in changes that different platforms are already starting to make. It's so much about social media has been about building your followers, number of followers, number of views. Like it's, it's the numbers game, it's all those vanity metrics, but those are becoming pretty much redundant now. Now it's about engagement. Yeah, it's engagement is what counts and conversion as well. Yeah. And that conversion comes from the engagement. So you have to actually spend time engaging with your audience. Don't just post and run. Don't just post your marketing content and then come back next week with a, another marketing post. That engagement is what's going to improve your reach, it's what's going to increase your following and it's what's going to increase your sales. Yeah, definitely. And you know, with things moving more towards video, when we're talking engagement, again, it's not how many people watch the video, it's how many people watch it to the end and then go on to watch another video and then go on to watch another video. It's the engagement that the social platforms care about. Yeah. Do people engage with this in a way that benefits us as YouTube, us as Instagram? And so we need to find a way to slot into that. So those are kind of some of the, the more general, broader themes and takeaways and stuff that we picked up. Um, there were some sessions that we went to where there were very specific things to come out with those um, that I thought was worth talking about. Was there any was there any other kind of more general or broad thematic things or things that you saw coming up in a lot of different sessions? No, I think we covered think a lot covered, there, yeah. Covered all those. Yeah. I would say one of my favorite sessions was um, from Robert Rose, who it was kind of it was definitely um, less about here's some social media advice, here's some ways of getting more engagement or whatever. It was it was probably one of the most strategic sessions and higher level thinking sessions that I've ever been to in social media marketing world. Um yeah. And so there was a lot that kind of come out of that. If you've got it, if you went there and you've got the virtual ticket or anything, look up Robert Rose's sessions. Definitely one of my favorites. Just kind of about like making your company better at creating content as opposed to just creating better content. And talking about like the process of it, talking about the changing role of content and yeah, just just so many things on Robert's session. Probably the thing that jumped out most for me, particularly in context of memberships, is you talked about this myth of the empowered buyer. You know, with the, I say with the rise of the internet, I mean, the internet's just been part of our day-to-day -day lives for decades now. But, you know, with that, with social media, with review sites and with the ability to conduct 
in-depth research into every possible buying decision at our disposal, that's kind of brought in this assumption that buyers want to be able to do that kind of research, that buyers feel empowered and feel good about being able to thoroughly dissect every option before they buy so they can make that purchase with absolute confidence and that they want that, that it's empowering. And so Robert kind of put forward this idea, you know, have we actually considered that they don't want that, that they don't want to be self-directed, they don't want to have to do all the research, that buyers are just resigned to having to do it because the alternative sucks, because the buying process for most things is terrible because there's a distrust around certain companies or around certain products or industries. Like, do people want to actually have to become subject matter experts in order to feel comfortable and confident in what they're buying? Like, do we want that? Or is that indicative of a failing on our part as marketers and business owners that people have to go off and do loads of research. They have to learn about this topic before they'll join your membership, before they'll buy your product. Are we creating people like buyers who are overeducated and are they tired of this? And is that causing us problems already or is it going to cause us problems in the future? And, you know, the idea that this all ties into a lack of confidence in the buying process And what can we do as membership owners to instill that confidence, to make it easier, to make it a no-brainer, to make sure that people are informed and they're nurtured and they're prepared and they're ready to buy without them having to, you know, study this topic and this industry and and spend all that time researching and diving into it. So it's just an interesting perspective and something that... um, you know, I don't think is talked about much or thought about much, but it definitely, um, yeah, it definitely gave me a bit of food for thought. Yeah, I haven't watched that one yet, so I'll, I'll put that on my list. Yeah, but just this idea that, you know, we're kind of taking for granted that people people like the fact that we can research everything. And there's definitely a degree to which, uh, on the other side, as a consumer, I like being able to... Yeah, we're definitely researchers, but there's definitely people out there who do just want the, you know, just tell me, is this going to fix the problem that I have? Yeah. If so, where do I join? But also, it's just like having the confidence that when someone says, you know what, this is the best solution, feeling confident enough to just say, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll trust that. Yeah. Uh, without having to have done a whole you know, research thesis on everything. Like, the, we like researching stuff, but we only like researching stuff because we want to make sure... We're making the best decision. We're making the best decision. Like, is there is there a way of helping instill that feeling and that confidence that doesn't require your buyers to be self-directed? And, you know, is doing the research and being self-directed, is it actually empowering or is it a a sign that we're failing as marketers and um, people who sell stuff. So anyway, I just, that, you know, that was just a little thought thing that came up with Robert's session. But yeah, I loved his, that was just one little bit of what he talked about. I loved his whole, um, his whole session. Yeah, and I think my favourite session from the event was uh, Shailene and Brock Johnson, which was all about Instagram growth. And I kind of, uh, I wasn't initially going to go to this session, but I've seen Shailene talk before and I know she's always entertaining. So I thought I'd give this a watch. And actually, it was one of the ones where I came away with the, probably the most 
practical tips for things that you could implement straight away and you know I've already mentioned a couple of them as we're as we're going through this um, talk but I think one of the big things in terms of what they were mentioning about Instagram growth is that the old ways so things like overly branded grids everything looking the same long captions overly personal posts single photos are no longer effective so in order to get that high growth on instagram now you need to be doing reels but not just reels original reels not just using the same audio as everyone else even though it's trending because people are already getting sick of seeing the same thing yeah. over and over and actually creating share worthy content where and and she defines share worthy content as content that people are sharing because it says something about them so that's why things like quotes do so well and so she was talking about how kind of these old ways need to need to be changed and that is as we've talked before reels videos is is the way that it's going engaging posts but she did also mention that accounts actually need to be based on single subjects you need clarity credibility and value in your Instagram feed. And that comes from having a really clearly defined niche. Your stories can be about anything. That's where people are deepening the relationship with you. But your feed is where people are finding you. And that needs to be really clear to them on first glance if they've come from something like a reel, what you actually do and how you can help them. So I found that really interesting. And I, I also liked with Shailene. So she was doing this talk with her son, Brock. Um, it was a Great double act, but I like the fact that Shailene said, like, if you go to my Instagram post, you'll see that I do none of these things. <laughs> but that's because I've got millions of followers already. I don't yeah. need to do this. So I quite like the fact that she did preface this with this is a, a kind of a do what I say, not what I do. Whereas Brock was there to show the evidence of I do what we do. Yeah, because he didn't and, already yeah. have that following, did he? Yeah, so it was quite an interesting double act in that respect. Um, you know, there was a few moments during the talk where I thought, oh, God, this is just more things to do. So kind of things like multiple posts a day, you need to be posting multiple times. But then they kind of bore that round by saying that those posts don't need to be new posts. Reposting content from other creators in a similar niche is a great way of doing this. Or reposting your own top performing content because it often does better than the second time round. And they showed some examples of um, some of their own feeds where actually 90% of the posts are reposts of either their own or other people's content. And those are the ones that are doing best. So it doesn't need to be original posts. It doesn't need to be original graphics and things like that. But at the end of the day, reels are king at the minute and they're performing 22% better than any other post type. But you need to make sure they're niche related. The biggest issue that is happening on Instagram is people are jumping on reels, but they're jumping on kind of silly dancing or yeah. pointing or trending audio, which has nothing to do with their niche. So yeah, they're, they're being led by the trend, not by the actual purpose and their niche and the message they're yeah. trying to get out so those reels are getting seen a lot they're getting engagement but they're doing absolutely nothing for your business because they're completely irrelevant so if somebody followed you based on a reel the rest of your content is just it's not going to be relevant to them yeah. they're not going to care um so yeah so it was an interesting talk in terms of practical tips and yeah she actually said you know instagram follows tiktok so if you want to see what the trends on Instagram are to be, look at TikTok first because that's what Instagram are going to bring in next. Yeah, definitely. And I think the the kind of final session that we picked out for, you know, real practical takeaways um, was Kenya Kelly talking about TikTok, specifically talking about selling via TikTok. So Kenya is a, a business coach. Um, so you might already follow her if you're on TikTok. If not, look her up. Um, she's just fantastic and even just from the little clips that she showed of her channel during the talk like 
she's she's well suited to TikTok. She brings that energy, but also she's delivering a lot of value and she's been able to build a massive, massive following on TikTok. So um, Kina shared, I think it was like 10 tips, like 10 ways of um, selling by TikTok. So I'm not going to just re-deliver her talk because I don't think I do it justice. But there were definitely some things that kind of jumped out that I hadn't thought about. Because um, I'm, I'm kind of sitting there thinking, like, I can't really envision the best way of using TikTok based on my experience of TikTok as a, as a user. I've got my own TikTok. It's my Lego and nonsense TikTok. At that man Mimo, T-H-A-T-M-A-N-M-I-M-O. It is it's what Kali said before. It's nonsense videos, right? It's doing the things that Kali said not to do based on Shailene's talk. But... But that's because you are. It's because I'm not using it for. Yeah, because I'm not using it for business. I'm just, you know, doing it for the hell of it. So you've got Lego videos. You've got stuff from when we're being on holiday. Um, you've got a picture of me working out, flexing my muscles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I totally, don't follow Mike's TikTok. Totally so, not. It's totally um, not photoshopped. Um, so yeah, like that. That to me is TikTok. It, it, it's just it's. It's fun. Yeah, it's fun, surface level entertainment. Um, yeah. So it definitely kind of felt to me going in that unless you've got a very highly visual business or unless you're comfortable, you know, dancing or putting together little skits and whatever, that TikTok is just one of those things you leave alone. But Keena shared some pretty good ideas that pretty much everyone could do. Probably my favorite, because generally I'd never even thought about it, is if you have a member who is on TikTok and they do have like visual stuff that they do. They have a very visual topic. TikTok allows you to do something called a duet where basically you can create a new video in split screen. It'll show the original video on one side, kind of playing through in real time, and then you are recording uh, a video to show next to it. So you can be reacting to what's going on in that video kind of in real time, right? So um, just as an example, this isn't a business example. Um, People often do this for quizzes. So someone will record themselves asking 10 questions. And after each question, they leave a space of five seconds. And you can duet that. So the video is split screen. You have the person asking the question and then you record yourself answering and the final video becomes a question and answer thing, right? Um, Yeah, that's that can work for a variety of different things. You could probably do that for for business as well. You know, you could be asking, if you're a social media coach, you could do something like that where you're asking people to guess certain stats about social media. Or, you know, if you're teaching people, um, you know, music, you could do it on music trivia and stuff like that. But anyway, so if you're not in a position to create lots of really highly visual energetic con on yourself you can duet videos that your members have created and you can react to them or you can do something called stitching so duetting is appearing side by side stitching is appearing before or after another video so you could actually like have a little video tagged on to the beginning of a video your members created where you talk a bit about that member you talk a bit about how you've helped them or you know you just kind of say, you know, one of our members, such and such, uh, is putting together this ridiculously funny video. I just had to share it with all of you. 
over to you, whatever. So you're showcasing your members and basically, you know, not only exposing them to your audience, perhaps getting them a bit more publicity, but you also kind of get the rub from the great content that they're creating as well. So either duetting them where you're reacting to what they're doing in their video or making comments or you stitch them so you introduce them or you talk afterwards. Highlight that to one of your favourite members. This video shows why, whatever. Like, that gives an opportunity to kind of sell without selling, to raise awareness. Um, And, yeah, it's not something that will work for everyone, but I just thought it was a really cool idea. And it's not something that would ever have crossed my mind. So top of my head, I can think about um, people we work with. So Scott from Scott Space Lessons or Jared from Drumio. They're both on TikTok. And of course, I mean, they they just look ridiculously cool and awesome. Like playing the bass guitar or playing drums. I mean, it's an impressive thing to watch. It's the kind of content that's perfect for TikTok. Them just doing their thing is perfect TikTok content. Me doing my thing is not perfect TikTok content because it's just sitting at a computer tapping some buttons, right? But I could do a stitch with one of Scott's videos talking a little bit about him and his membership and how he's... He is genuinely one of the coolest, nicest guys we've ever worked with. He's painfully cool. He's painfully laid back as well. I've always loved that about Scott. Yeah. But I I could do a little thing and then jump to his video showing him in action slapping the bass. Or, you know, I've got a drum kit. So, and I'm actually using Drumio to teach myself as well. But I could try and, I could do a duet, so a split screen where I'm trying to play along with Jared on one of his TikTok videos from from Drumio. And obviously in doing this, and if I did that, it would just highlight how terrible I am at drumming, but it's content that could be funny and be engaging. And obviously when we're doing this, we're bringing attention to the fact that we've worked with them, the fact that we help memberships like theirs, and we get a little bit of the rub from the fact they're both insanely talented. So we steal a little bit of their clout as well. But that I just, like, there were a lot of different ideas that Kenya shared in her session. That one in particular, I think for anyone who's thinking, I don't want to have to dance around on TikTok. I don't want to have to do that that really dumb thing where people point at the words that appear on the screen that thankfully people seem to have stopped doing as much now. Like if you're thinking, I, I, we're talking so much about how important this kind of content's going to be and you're freaking out because you're like, there's literally nothing I do that has any visual interest, then look at things like this. If you're looking at TikTok and Instagram will steal this as well. Like, can you do that kind of collaboration that doesn't you don't have to get permission to do it because when jared or scott post their videos they can turn they turn on the option to let people duet or stitch anyone who's put that option on their video you can go and duet with them you can go and stitch them so you can feature them in some sort of way or you can create content that other people can stitch again just one of the simple ways people use this feature the stitching feature is they'll just ask a question you know and that's it. And then they, they give a call to action to, you know, stitch this video to give your thoughts, stitch this video to give your answer. So you literally just ask the question, you put it out there, you make it available, and then other people record a video that tags their answer onto the end of your video, and they share it with their um, network and with their followers as well. Yeah, that's so, really interesting. I didn't know you could do that. It's I might actually, have to actually get on TikTok. It at some is point. actually crazy for something that is a fairly simple um, 
it seems a fairly simple platform. What options they give video creators, it's it's actually pretty pretty cool. It's just figuring out how to use it from a marketing point of view. You know, the some ministries, it's the easiest thing in the world to come up with um, the right way of using it. Avalon from Avalon Cake School. Like, she makes the most ridiculous decorated cakes and she's on um, she's on TikTok because of course she's got this visual thing to show off anyone who teaches a, in a music membership an arts and craft membership anything like that people eat this content up exercise like fitness based stuff art like illustration anything anything like that is is easy it's a no brainer um, and you can also take that content and share it to your Instagram reel and stuff like that. And as you said, everyone moving in the same direction means it's going to be easy to repurpose this stuff in the future. But yeah, I was a big, um, uh, I enjoyed Kenya's session because she, her experience is as a business coach. So she doesn't have a visual um, business either. Yeah. But she's killing it on, on TikTok. So yeah, interesting. And if you go on TikTok, at that man Mimo, you can watch <laughs> me build Lego. Actually, don't. Yeah. It's terrible. You can start a Lego membership. No, soon. no, it's terrible content. It really, really is. My TikTok feed, really terrible content. You're showing some over reverse psychology there, I aren't am. you? I am. Bless it's you. not very good, though. Anyway, I think, I mean, we've covered a lot of bases there. Yeah, it's a long one. It is a long one, but hopefully it's a useful one to not just kind of pull out some of the specific tips and certain little tactics or whatever but actually just to get I suppose oh, like how we perceived the 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 conference itself as a statement on where things are going in general um, the pervasive themes like right across the board um, it's definitely an interesting time for social media in general but particularly for marketers for creators um, and it's going to be an interesting few years but uh, hopefully our thoughts our experiences what we've been able to bring back for you has given you some food for thought um no doubt it's probably freaking some people out because they're thinking they're going to have to change their whole strategy again but also it, it can be kind of beneficial to sort of know well don't need to worry about doing this thing these plans were had for this maybe we scrap them so hopefully some of that has uh, given you some useful stuff to work on yeah. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I've got some ideas brewing uh, just for us in terms of changing things up a little bit. Definitely, definitely, and it's important with all this as well to not be like overly reactive. Like suddenly, you don't need to suddenly drop everything you're doing and go all in on TikTok. But it's just putting stuff on your radar, giving you the awareness of where things seem to be leaning, um, and again bringing it back around to all the stuff on the NFTs and the meta and all, like the reminder to not get too swept up, not get too carried away um, and not get too distracted by a lot of this stuff. Yeah, definitely. All right. I think that's a good place to end it because this has been a marathon session, but hopefully it's been a useful one for you. We will wrap it up there. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next time with another episode of the Membership Geeks podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the Membership Geeks podcast, we invite you to check out membershipacademy.com. 
Membership Academy is the original membership about memberships, and it's the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing, and running a successful online membership business. Whether you're still trying to figure out what your idea is going to be and you need some help making it a reality, or whether your website is already up and running and you're looking for ways to grow and attract new members, then Membership Academy can help you to get to the next level. Not only do you get access to our step-by-step -step membership roadmap, our extensive training library and exclusive member-only discount and tools, you'll also become part of our supportive, active community of membership owners that will help you along the way in your journey with feedback, encouragement, and advice. All of this and more make Membership Academy the number one place to be for anyone looking to start, manage, and grow a successful membership business. Check it out and join the community at membershipacademy.com. If you enjoyed this week's episode of the Membership Geeks podcast, we invite you to check out membershipacademy.com. Membership Academy is the original membership about memberships, and it's the essential resource for anyone at any stage of starting, growing, and running a successful online membership business. Whether you're still trying to figure out what your idea is going to be and you need some help making it a reality, or whether your website is already up and running and you're looking for ways to grow and attract new members, then Membership Academy can help you to get to the next level. Not only do you get access to our step-by-step -step membership roadmap, our extensive training library and exclusive member-only discount and tools, you'll also become part of our supportive, active community of membership owners that will help you along the way in your journey with feedback, encouragement, and advice. All of this and more make Membership Academy the number one place to be for anyone looking to start, manage, and grow a successful membership business. Check it out and join the community at membershipacademy.com.